One of the most important facets of any business is customer service. In business, you are not only selling a product or a service, but an experience. Providing exceptional customer service and developing real relationships with your clients means increased sales, retain customers, new customers via word of mouth, and a positive reputation. You're listening to the Focus on Customer Experience Podcast. Podcast. Benjamin Del Grosso gives you the ins and outs of one of the most underlooked aspects in business today. Improve your customer service and watch your business skyrocket. Two, one. Benjamin Del Grosso. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we have Ora Lee. She's joining us from Vancouver Island and recently wrote a book, Five Star Service Advisor. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. This is great. Yeah, this is awesome. So you tell us a little bit about yourself. So I live uh, in Victoria on Vancouver Island and with my family, um, wrote the book recently, a couple, or that was during, or my COVID project, sorry, to write the book Five Star Service Advisor because I realized there wasn't any training authority for service advisors, just courses here and there, short ones. So I thought this is something that's really needed and put it on Amazon and there really isn't too many books in that category either I believe it's under 10 yeah that's that's i think that's awesome because you know we really lack training nowadays i mean you know for many years we relied on the manufacturers to come and do training for us and and educate us and i know in my industry I, i'm not sure about yours but in my industry the manufacturers used to come they bring you know, special guest speakers that would talk all about how to give good customer service and how to sell their product over the other product. And it would all be this, this very big professional training. And then it started turning into, well, you know, we'll just train you on the product. And then it turned into just go to our website, or here's the brochure, right? So Mm -hmm. I think it's great that you've written a book, because, you know, if people are going to read and take the initiative, and they're actually interested in, you know, creating a career as a service advisor and like moving up in the, in the, the car dealer, that might be a big stepping stone for them to just read the book and tell people I've read this book. So I have some basic knowledge on what's expected of the position. I think you're right about the training too. Cause I remember um, probably 15 years ago when I was working at a dealership and new cars would come out every year, they would um, rent a runway at a older airport and they'd bring all the cars out. So we got to try them on the airport strip and then others like the convertibles, we got to go for these small drives and switch vehicles every time. So we're, there was that hands-on experience to really get you excited about the product. And nowadays, uh, I don't know if it goes along with COVID or not or, or what that may be about, have some ideas (laughs) maybe budgeting as well now it's sitting on the computer watching a video about the product and having to take a test about it and that's where the knowledge is coming from now and it's not as exciting as it used to be no it's not it's it's not i mean you know this whole thing's called focus on customer experience the podcast and the whole customer experience of just you learning you know before you used to be able to feel touch the vehicle take it for a drive experience it and now you're watching a video on YouTube, probably to go, well, it looks cool. 
right? Looks cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> well, and looks are are only one small thing of vehicles now. Like they have so much technology in them that you really need to experience. Yeah. Oh, definitely. 100%. So you, you wrote the book, um, you know, five-star service advisor, and mainly you wrote the book because there wasn't really a lot of, I guess, training or information out there in the industry. And you, like you said, um, like off camera, we had a conversation, you were talking about how it addresses explaining some of the technical challenges that might happen with someone's vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of things that customers don't understand. And I feel that's kind of how our industry gets a bad reputation. Um, if you go searching dishonest jobs, automotive is number one. And it really grinds my gears because I don't feel like for the most part, everybody in the industry is dishonest, but it's the way that customers perceive us. And I feel that that is because they don't understand what we're saying. We're not doing a good job of explaining what their vehicle needs, why they need it, and what the benefit is to them. They just see big dollar amounts going away and don't understand what they're getting out of it. Well, yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree with you. Uh, I mean, everybody always says that whole, oh, sleazy automotive salesman, right? Or, you know, oh, the service advisor told me, you know, I need I need new shocks and need new springs, blah, blah, blah. And it's going to cost me $1,000 and they don't know what they're talking about. They're just trying to scam me. Well, realistically, you know, and don't be wrong. I mean, I've had that opinion as well uh, of certain things, but you know, the one thing I would say about the dealership is usually they can prove to you that it needs to be done. Right. Where if you Hmm. just go to a lot of other places, the, sometimes they don't really take the time to tell you that they're just trying to sell you. Right. And, and I mean, there are, you want to make sure that you're educating them on why it needs to be done. And I think if you come from a safety standpoint, this needs to be done for the best safety uh, of your vehicle. You know, Mm -hmm. is that kind of like an angle you kind of play trying to explain it safety wise or. Yeah. So there's, there's some things that are safety related items. Like you, you know, need to do this or else it may cause an accident. There's other things that may need to be done and it could cause them an inconvenience. Um, Like you're mentioning too, about proving it to the customer as well. A lot of um, dealerships and shops are sort of steering away from letting the customer come into the shop and see on their own vehicle, what's going on with it, right? Like um, in dealerships now you you can go up to the door and you give them your keys and they do their walkthrough just at the service department there. And then your car goes off to somewhere else and you don't even see where the shop is, you know, able to poke your head in or to see where it is. And then um, to a lot of places that are saying um, now for insurance purposes, they're not letting the customers in, which I can understand. It can be a dangerous bought but there are other ways to show the customer like nowadays everybody has devices that can take pictures which is super handy so that is one of the tools that we can use to show customers what's going on with their vehicle if they're not able to come and see what's going on with the vehicle or maybe they're not in the area waiting for it we can definitely snap pictures and text them to explain what's going on with it yeah i know um there was a program that I was using when I was in Ontario. It was called My Shop Assist. 
and actually uh, automotive repair technician shops actually are supposed to use it. We actually didn't utilize the technology of some of the stuff that it did, but what you can do is actually take pictures of the vehicle and email it direct to the client. So they actually get a picture of all the pictures and you can actually send them before and after you can send them all sorts of stuff and you can actually then get them to sign off on approval of the repair as well uh, digitally all through that. That's a great program. And they can even like, yeah, to say that they've seen them as well. That's yeah, awesome. So yeah. Cause it's that whole accountability thing, right? So now you have to prove there's something wrong by taking a picture and sending it to them. And then you're also taking a picture of it being completed and sending them. So it's that whole um, accountability of the car dealer or service mechanic or whoever's doing the work. And it's also sending to them and getting them to sign off on it. So they're not like, well, I didn't approve this thousand dollar bill. Well, we have your digital signature. We've emailed you. We have all proof that you, you know, agreed to all the work that needed to be done. So for me, I, I thought it was, it was pretty cool, right? It's a big step. Yeah. I think that's a great tool for customers to be able to see what happened with their vehicle and, and how it looks now. And um, as well as I wouldn't rely on it completely, but using it as a tool for them to see the pictures and then the service advisor to have the discussion with them over the phone. Because that's one thing I worry about too with technology is that service advisors will be, you know, sort of phased out and it'll just be like a a kiosk where you go to order your fast food, you plunk in, you know, what you, (laughs) you know, I'd like this service and to do this on my vehicle. And then, you know, it goes away and it comes back. Um, but that's really would be challenging. I think I'll, I'll be honest. I went to a restaurant here in Seattle, um, just like a couple weeks ago. And when I went to that restaurant in Seattle, what ended up happening is you went and sat at the table, used your phone to scan a QR code and nobody served us. Like they brought us our food. 20 minutes later and brought our waters 15 minutes later. And, and like every time we had to go walk up to the bar, if we wanted to ask a question like, Hey, uh, cause I forgot cause you know, being Canadian, you guys have iced tea here. Oh. No, I'm like, Oh wait, oh, that's right. You guys don't have iced. You have iced tea in the States, not iced tea. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, because nobody was serving us, it was so weird. And then we also had this expensive bill. I just don't see how automated in, in a service industry like that could happen. I mean, I could see maybe if you want like something basic, like an oil change being automated. Right. But I mean, I don't know. You, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's a, for me, it's a touchy subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems strange, but somebody's going to try it. I, I think, and especially with, um, labor shortage being what it is too. anything that can be taken over by a machine people are testing out so like when you look around at the world today what has stood out to you as the biggest change in customer interaction i guess like the whole world (laughs) thinking like with during covid um there's been a lot of less face-to-face interactions with customers, which can be missed by people who enjoy talking to people. Like there, um, 
for example, like I took a technician course when I came out of high school. So I have my first year, um, uh, year automotive technician, and I did enjoy that. However, I missed the interaction with customers. I like talking to people every day and explaining things to them. So I went into sales after that. So with COVID, um, not being able to have the same face-to-face -face interaction, like people now um, for the past couple of years are dropping their keys off in the bin and then talking to service advisors only on the phone, the bin, the keys come in and everything gets written up, but you don't have that face-to-face -face interaction, which I think is lacking. Yeah, I would totally agree because I personally like the the face-to-face -face interaction and uh the one thing that's really great about my business is I go direct to the customer. So mm -hmm. there's no way they're not talking to me. <laughs> right. They got, they yeah. got to give me the keys, you know, they got, I mean, I think I've only had one guy ever that literally is like, I left the key on the steps. I don't want to be shown how it works. I'll pay the bill when you email it to me kind of thing. I'm like, Oh, okay, whatever. Right. But other than that, I mean, every other client, I usually, have some form of face-to-face -face confirmation, whether it be, you know, you know, during the beginning of COVID, sometimes it was, we're both wearing masks, talking to each other at a distance or whether it be just, you know, there, but typically it's still some sort of conversation, but that's because I go direct to them, right? They have mm -hmm. no choice. There's no key drop. I don't have a brick and mortar store. Right. So, um, so I will say that, and I think that's also part of why I started the podcast. It was because I missed that whole uh, conversation of talking to other employees and talking to other people every single day. So as I started this, because then I can have conversations with other people from all over the world and kind of find out what's going on out there. Yeah, and what's happening in different areas as well, right? Because there can be changes that are happening in one part of the country or one part of the world that hasn't hit here yet or vice versa. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. So what is one thing you do or ha or or have done to provide a positive experience in especially in the service advisor role? I the the main thing that I focus on is rather than selling the customer something is focus on educating them. So whether they do the repair, whether they approve the repair or not or um approve the work. I always try to educate them and make sure they understand what's going on with the vehicle, whether that be A, walking them out to the vehicle, showing them what's happening, um, B, taking pictures. With pictures um, and seeing the vehicle, things are happening in, internally sometimes and you can't always access them. So at that point, then I'd like to find pictures on the internet of something disassembled or um, you know resort to drawing them a picture to explain what's happening so that they understand and also giving customers two different options because I hate having um, you know that you have to do this one do it this one way or nothing at all or you can do it this way with these parts or we could use these parts two different qualities or um, Sometimes with timing belt jobs, let's say you there's just the timing belt that you can do, um, but also there's other things like water pump and um, seals that go along with that as well. So yeah. giving them options and making them feel empowered, like they've made the choice to do this on their vehicle rather than I'm strong arming them into doing this and they have to do it this way. You, you know, this is 
this is kind of, I'm glad you brought that up that giving people other options because you go in and a lot of times they just tell you oh, the break jobs, thousand dollars or, or whatever it is. Right. They don't give you uh, you know, well, we have an $800, you know, bronze package, thousand dollars, silver package and a $1,200 gold package. And the difference is, is you're going to get about, you know, I don't know, 50,000 kilometers on the gold package and whatever. Right. So, I mean, I think it's nice, you know, on average, right. So it, it's nice that if you have like different packages and different options, because not, you know, there might be someone go, if it was $200 less, I'd do it. Right. Instead of just being, it's a thousand dollars. And, you know, with everything I do, I have, you know, a good, better, best, you know, you want a 4k camera, a 2k camera, a 1080p camera. We, you know, we have those three different options depending on what you want, your price point. Um, but just kind of thinking about the whole, the whole different options. I think that's great because a lot of the dealerships I find, they just tell you, this is the price and this is how we do it. And they don't give you those options to, to choose. So is that something that you try and do is try and give them those options? Yeah, for sure. It, even if it's only two options, like three options is is great. And they can choose what works with their price point. Like you mentioned, brakes. Um, one person might be selling their vehicle and just need the least amount, the least, sorry, the cheapest option to be able to get it back on the road for it to find a new home. And others, it's their investment. They're keeping this vehicle for 20 years. It moves their family. They're not going to, you know, want to cheap out on breaks you know it only carries their wife and kids 50 kilometers to soccer practice every week right yeah like you you want to make sure they're they have the best yeah so oh, giving yeah. them the options and they get to choose and then not assuming that one person's going to pick something over the other oh yeah no definitely 100 so you know you have all these different <clears throat> all these different options and i was just trying to trying to brainstorm here because I've had some different uh, issues where it's like, but I can go buy an air filter for, you know, 20 bucks. And then there's a $40, you know, Fram or whatever it is. Right. And then there's the, I don't know, AC Delco one or whatever. Right. There's all these different brands out there. And it's like, well, what makes that one better than the other one? And why is it that most times when I go to the dealership, they only give me one option. And I'm, I'm assuming the car dealership is only giving the, their OEM uh, parts. Am I correct? Most of the time? I am not 100% sure with that. That's actually one position that I haven't held is um, a parts person in a dealership. Um, But I do know that they are, they do have accounts with aftermarket suppliers as well. So they are using something from there. But two, like with giving options, um, there's no reason why they couldn't do that. You know, we have the one from the manufacturer that costs this amount, or we can, you know, get one from the aftermarket supplier for for this amount, as opposed to losing customers. Um, one thing that that is also strange about um, the dealerships, whereas when I was service advisor, I always like to find my own parts. Um, I felt it's very important to one so that I see what's happening with the vehicle and that I understand. And then two, if I'm finding the correct parts, then I'm understanding how these parts work. I've 
I've looked at diagrams, I've held them in my hands, I know what they are, I understand them, and I know where I've gotten them from, so I know the quality, and I'm able to better explain that to the customer, as opposed to if the technician sent his thing to parts, and then parts look that up, and then I just put the labor on it, I wouldn't fully understand what's happening with that customer's vehicle. Yeah, so you try and do the the extra work to fully understand what's happening instead of just relying on the other departments, right? Mm -hmm. Which is good. Yeah. Cause if you have an understanding, it's a lot easier to explain to the client, you know, if not, then yeah, then you're kind of out there. <laughs> yeah. It's also like a, a pride in your work too. Like um, a work, like a estimates, like a piece of art. <laughs> Sometimes I tell people, which, you know, it's, it would hard, be hard to understand because it's not, but it's like, you have to take what the technician, their diagnosis and put it in there. And then you have to locate these parts and put that together and then get the labor times and put that on there and make it all one cohesive piece of paper to show to the customer. So it takes a lot of work and creation to make that. Nice. So obviously, is there a book you've read that has influenced your life? Because you've gone and written a book now. So I'm wondering if there's a book that kind of maybe influenced you to make you want to write this book or just a just a book that maybe just influenced you in general. Um, currently, I am going through The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, which I have right here. It's all spilled coffee on it and rough, but it's a really excellent book. Um about like finding your genius and sort of what you're really meant to do. And when I was sort of explaining to you how preparing work orders and estimates work is that's that brings me joy. And when I'm explaining work to a customer and um, they decide to pick one of the options that I've created for them, that like warms my heart. It, it's, it brings me joy. That's like what I meant to do. And I want to share that with other people as well. And for service advisors to experience that. Yeah. So it's important. I mean, a lot of times people are buying you, right? So if they deal with you and they trust you and you're giving them recommendations, that's going to keep their vehicle safe, keep it serviced, keep it going. Cause they rely on it. They're going to keep coming back to you because the main thing at the end of the day is they want to be able to do, they want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. They want to do people, they want to do business with people who have their best interest, right? And, that you know, that's a real big thing because if you feel like you're going to the dealership and you, if you've had a bad experience, so let, let's say you go, you get something fixed and a week later it's broken again, you kind of start losing faith in that dealership. Now there always could be there. I'm sure you've had challenges. Everybody has where something happened, something went wrong. I mean, even myself, I, I had a customer yesterday going, um, I know you repaired the car starter, even though I don't install car starters, there was a car starter that was installed dangerously. Um, and the, the relay was like underneath by the steering column. And I'm like, okay, like this is not staying here. I'm fixing this. I'm not charging him anything, but I'm already in here doing my other wiring. So if I don't tell him about it, right, I'm going to, you know, I'm just as guilty as the person who put it here. Mm -hmm. So I went and fixed it because it only took me 10 minutes and I was already there. So I told him about that. And then he goes, Hey, the car starter doesn't work anymore. I'm like, uh, no, it works. I didn't close the hood. 
right? Because when you take the dash apart on a Toyota, mm -hmm. typically you always have to open the hood. It, it just doesn't let you, that's how the Toyotas are built, right? So what ended up happening is I said to him, right away, I was like, the hood's open. So he went, checked. He's like, you're right, thanks. But, but because I messed up, I gave him kind of a bad experience at first. I felt like, oh no, did I do something wrong? Did I screw up? You know, all those kind of thoughts are going through my head. But he was completely happy. He was completely fine. He was glad that I knew that the hood was open right away. It's just either way, mm -hmm. mistakes do happen. It's how you, I guess, how you deal with those those challenges or or those bad experiences, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. That definitely makes a difference. I was thinking too, I've been in a car dealership where, you know, one week they had two ladies crying. <laughs> No, I think it was like within three days, there was like two ladies crying for various reasons. It's like, oh, we shouldn't, you know, to, to get to that point, things have to go wrong. Oh, yeah, no, like you definitely don't want that at all, right? I mean, no, we've, we've had some, you know, over the years, I've had some real, we've had some very interesting things where it's like we're, we've had to rent a vehicle for somebody, right? Not, not in my job but in, in other jobs that i've had we've had to rent a vehicle because just something happened so extreme that we screwed up but the big thing is, is if you do make a mistake you got to admit to it take care of the client and if you take care of the client client will be fine at the end of the day they just want to know you're going to take care of them mm -hmm. right i find if yeah if something goes wrong or if they're upset there's usually a reason why so rather than focusing on that mistake figuring out the reason why they're upset and how it's impacting their life it might be that you know, they need to pick their kids up at a certain time, or they have to drive their mother to a doctor's appointment. So if we understand what their needs are, and then can fill those for them, then it creates less of a problem. And they feel like we're the heroes for helping them. So as a service advisor, I'm just going to tell you like a little sto story. I'm not a service advisor. So just as, as two, two, two service advisors, the big thing I think that service advisors have to do in order to be effective is they need to listen to what their client is saying. And if they listen, they can make sure to give the technician the proper information in order to get it fixed, corrected, serviced, et cetera, right? Because, you know, weird things will happen where, you know, there's a knock in my vehicle. I don't know what's going on. It just keeps making this noise, right? And you have to take that and somehow tell the technician that, I don't know, they say they have this noise going on, it's happening. But you have to ask those questions like, is it happening at 60 kilometers an hour? Is it happening at 100 kilometers an hour? Is it happening when you're going to stop at a light? When are these noises happening? Because mm -hmm. it could be something simple as the brakes are squealing. It could be is, you know, you know, because the brake pads are wearing down. It could be, you know, all these little things, but you have to ask those questions. Otherwise, they're going to spend an hour on it and go, well, we found nothing wrong. Here's a $150 bill or whatever the hourly rate is for an hours of the work to find nothing wrong with the vehicle. So you have to ask those questions. And so recently um, I wanted to get my vehicle serviced and I have an electric vehicle. So I, I called my dealership where I bought the vehicle from and I go, Hey, I need to get it done. And so I asked them, you know, what's it going to cost? I have no problem, but when you want to get it in, I want to have an av average idea for budgeting and you know, like 600 bucks. Whoa. Why, why so much for my electric vehicle? Well, you need an oil change. You need to get a transmission flush. You need to get, I'm like, well, okay, wait, but I have an electric vehicle. 
So I don't need an oil change. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, um, I don't know. We'll just book it in and we'll figure it out when you get here. I'm like, well, like, I just want to have an idea of what I'm paying because I want to make sure I'm not getting ripped off too, right? But I mean, I also, it's an electric vehicle, so I don't know what the proper rate should be. So five minutes later, uh, you know, lady on the phone comes back with a price again. And now it's like 350 bucks. And I'm like, oh, what's that for? Well, you know, uh, you need to get your your engine oil change and you get this i'm like you're like and i was like are you not listening to me i have an electric vehicle so i said just cancel the appointment you know what um i'll figure it out i'll come down there and we'll talk so a month goes by because you, you get busy sometimes people just get busy with life and all of a sudden i get a call hey were we wondering why you haven't come and got your vehicle serviced for so long i'm like okay well well, yeah, because every time I call you guys to get service, I want to get service done. I, like I got 75,000 kilometers on my vehicle now, right? And they go, okay. I go, well, they keep trying to sell me an oil change for an electric vehicle. Like, I don't understand why they're booking me in for an oil change. This is just, it's confusing. So I, I lose faith in you. Um, so anyways, what ends up happening is, okay, well, I'll tell management or whatever. And well, someone will get in contact with you. A couple of weeks go by, like a month goes by. I still hear nothing. So now this is like two months since the original calls, we bring my wife's vehicle in to get her oil change done. I tell the lady at the service desk, you know, Hey, I just, just want to talk to you. Da, 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 this is that. And she, what she was nice enough to do was give me three options. You can get just the normal maintenance. She goes, which I don't recommend, or you can get this maintenance, which is about 500 bucks or the premium one, which is $600. And, and this is what more you're going to get out of the $600 package. And because it's been a while since you've been in, I think it's been like 30,000 kilometers or something now. Right. Cause I'm driving quite a bit, not as much as you, as we found, <laughs> as we found <laughs> off camera. Right. But, but so, you know, she's at least giving me these three options. If you just want to get the basic done, you can, but I do recommend getting the more premium done. Cause you're, you're, you know, you're, you're at that point. It's like 75,000 kilometers. You should get a more major inspection. done, Right. And I have to get back to her, which today I'm probably going to go and get back to her. We're going to stop by the dealership, probably book it in. But at least she took the time to to give me those three options while the vehicle was in. And now I have a lot more faith in doing business with that dealership again, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you have, have a mechanical knowledge as well. So you can look over that list and understand what items your vehicle might need and, and what you could do yourself and what you'll need them to do. So you know, maybe you could get that basic service and then take care of some of the ones in the premium. So that is, that is a great way to present it to you too. I was thinking back to when you were talking about like, if a vehicle has a knock or something like that, or making sounds yeah. too. So, so in my book, I have checklists because like, as we mentioned earlier, we're service advisors and not having um, one set governing body to instruct them on how to do this, to get all the the information that the technician is going to need is challenging. So I made like lists, like if a vehicle has a noise, ask these questions, you know, like what side, when is it happening? You know, like you said too, is it first thing in the morning? Is it these kilometers? Is it only when you drive on this road? Is it happening? You know, there's so many things that you need to ask and it wastes the technician's time as well when a service advisor sends something in with incomplete information. So it makes the technician mad because they don't have that. And then the customer's upset because they don't have a proper diagnosis either. So um, I do find that's helpful as well, whether it's the service advisor memorizing these sheets on the questions to ask or just having them close by because I don't think customers are offended either if a, you know they're reading off the list 
or two, the third one with places being so busy and having less bodies to work now, if you have these lists, you can email them or give them to the customers to fill out themselves and they can ponder that as well because it might not have been something the customer thinks of too. Well, I have this noise, but I never thought of when it is, right? Or how often it's happening, so. I think that's, actually, I think that's awesome. And you know, you know what got me thinking is when you go to the doctor's office, you know, you go to like, ah, uh, go to the chiropractor and then they have that whole, you know, are you pregnant? You know, um, have you, they have all these weird questions. Like, did you hurt your leg? Did you hurt your arm? Did you hurt, did you hurt your head? Was this a result of a car accident? Right. Did you have a concussion? You know, did you have a stroke or what? They have all these like 50 questions, but they're asking it because they want to make sure they don't, you know, do something wrong to you. Like, okay, there's a huge problem with that. And if I do a correction in their back, it's going to hurt that arm more. Right. So they need to know all these little things when they're asking. And realistically, that's why they have their checklists because the last thing they want to do is, is get hurt. So if you give them as much information as you can, so you having checklists of things to ask is what's going to narrow it down. And I mean, the industry I came from, you know, I would say, the thing that 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 I implemented at one of the stores I ran is we had checklists of when people would drop their vehicle off for the installation side of it. We would ask, you know, where do you want your amplifier mounted? Where do you want your speakers mounted? Where do you want this mounted? We'd have all that documented, but we never actually did uh, a sheet for the um, process of when something's, you know, defective, right? Like, my, you know, my car starter has no range. We didn't have like a, a checklist of these are the 20 issues and then follow-up questions. So, I mean, that's awesome. I really wish I would have talked to you, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago and, and, and had something like that. Really, we went off of our knowledge, you know, we always tried to make sure to be, you know, educated on ourselves. And it would be that knowledge where we would say to them, hey, yeah, so when is when did you that you have no range? Is it when you're at home? Is it when you're at work? Is it so we'd have to ask all these questions and hopefully we ask the right question to get to the technician, right? Because if not, we'd have something weird happen where the customer, you know, the, the vehicle gets pulled in the shop and the installer would go, Well, yeah, the car starter doesn't work because the antenna's not plugged in. They'd plug it back in, kick it out the shop and say it works fine. And then the customer come back a week later yelling and screaming because it still doesn't work properly. Because what happens is what didn't get put on the work order was it works for five minutes after the antenna is plugged in and then it doesn't work anymore. Right. But because we don't know that, or we didn't ask those questions, right. We're not getting the right solution for our customer. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's too, when the customer is perceiving you is then it creates that dishonesty, like, they took my money and it still doesn't work correctly now, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so for me, something that I implemented with car starters, because car starters is an aftermarket accessory, and I don't do them anymore. I haven't been involved in that industry in like three years. But what what I did do when I was managing that shop, and we have five to eight technicians, we do 20 plus vehicles a day, is I had a three strike rule. So if somebody came back once, I would go, okay, maybe it's just a minor tweak. If they came back a second time, if it was the same thing, right, we'd look to see, hey, let's try another module. Let's try this. 
if they came back a third time, no matter what, that thing was being ripped out. And not giving them money back. We give them the option of a completely different car starter system, different brand, different everything. Wouldn't charge them anything. A lot of times they even got an upgrade to a different system, right? And the reason why, and I even got a different technician to do it, just in case something weird happened with that technician, right? And if that technician found a problem with the other technician's installation, the other installer would lose the labor because they didn't do it properly to begin ah, with. That's a good right? way of doing it because usually comebacks go to the technician who is working on it. Yes, which the thing is, if they're always just poking at it, poke, 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 oh, nothing wrong with it, right? But if someone, but I'll be honest, we only had one time ever where they actually found something wrong with the other technician's install that was a result of the issues. Majority of the time, it was just compatibility issues because we're dealing with aftermarket accessories that are supposed to, you know, uh, communicate with the vehicle's computer, right? And sometimes it just doesn't like it. No matter what you do, even though it's supposed to work with that Kia or Ford or Honda or whatever, for some weird reason, that brand is just not compatible. It's not speaking to it, right? So we take it on the chin. But at the same time, we do that for customer service because we don't want, because every time they come back, they get more and more sour and then they start complaining to their friends. And then that turns into a bad customer experience because you know what I would do? I wouldn't go there because mm -hmm. they're, I have a car starter and it doesn't even work. And I paid $800 for it or $1,000 for it, right? And that's the whole thing is you want to turn that into a positive customer experience by going, hey, you know what? They completely removed it, put a completely different system in, and it works awesome now. So as much as I really wanted that other system, they put a different one in, but now this other one works great, and they took care of me. And really, I think that's what customers care about at the end of the day. They just want to yeah. know someone's going to take care of them. Right? And like you mentioned, too, it's usually like a better or an upgraded version. So it might have been one that they were thinking about getting to, but didn't work exactly with their budget. And then they're super happy. Yeah, I mean, it'd be like getting a bad set of tires on the vehicle that after 10,000 kilometers, they're they're done. Like, like you know, mm -hmm. the dealership would go, yeah, but you just, I mean, if you bought it from the dealership or someone reputable, they might go well, like, what, what's going on here? They might find out from the manufacturer it's bad. And then, but at the end of the day, the dealership can go, well, this is, we represented this product to you and we told you it was a good selection, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll take care of you. And, and that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss is, you know, like I'll have people contact me that have their own dash camera. Okay. And I'll go and install it, but they'll say, can I call you if something goes wrong? Yeah, you can. No problem. Like I'll, I'll come out, I'll see what's going on, but there's nothing else I can do once I get there other than verify there's nothing wrong with my wire. Right. If I come out there and it's defective, then basically it's defective. There's nothing more I can do other than sell you a new product because I didn't originally sell you the product. You have to now go back to the manufacturer, right? Well, when you're with the dealership, you, you buy, I don't know, let's call it a Ford and you go to the Ford dealership, the Ford deals directly with Ford and they can take care of you with Ford parts, right? Which is really nice because you know, they're just going to take care of you because they're, they already have the parts there. If you have warranty on the vehicle, you can take care of it. And that's how you get that full service experience. But if you have a Kia and you bring a Kia to the Ford dealership, 
how is the Ford dealership going to take care of your Kia? As well as somebody who already is a Ford, as a Ford, as going to a Kia dealership with your Kia car. Mm-hmm. You're going to get they a lot better be service. Yeah, they might be able to do the do some of the maintenance items and stuff, but they really won't have the scan tools compatible to talk to your Kia, perhaps. And as well as if there's a warranty issue, they won't be able to to take care of that for you for no charge. They'll have to send that away. Yeah. So to get that full service, you know, that's why you want to go to somebody who can take care of you. Uh, that's why you go with if you have a Kia, that's why you should go to a Kia dealership, right? Mm-hmm. And when you go to a, and you know, um, that's why I kind of tell people, like, if you buy from me, I can give you the full service, right? I don't mm-hmm. tell people that like they don't have that. You don't have to buy from me if you don't want to. That's fine. But at the same time, I can't give you that same full service, similar to a car dealership. Yeah, then you can stand behind the product that you've sold them, as well as the labor. So if something is happening, you're taking care of them 100%. Whereas if they buy it from somebody else, then they have to take it back to that person. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any, I guess, like final thoughts, final words, things you want to kind of bring up, I guess? Oh, there, <laughs> there's so much left in the industry, I guess, too. But yeah, that, that'd be another way of like um, giving a customer an option too. Uh, like we mentioned before about, uh, you know, that one, two, and three or the gold, silver, and bronze package is like if they have a customer supplied part and are present, would like you to install it, give them, we could do this A, this is the option. Um, you know, you already have the part, so you'll save the money there, but warranty wise may not be the best thing and present them with yours as well. And they might choose to go and then might choose to go with yours or choose to go with that one, but they've made the decision and they know full well what um, is to be expected warranty wise. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Yeah. So how, uh, I guess, how is it that, uh, I mean, how is it that people get in contact with you? Ah, uh, I'm on social media, so you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook and uh, my website, CorleyZuf.com. Nice. So you have your own branded website. That's awesome. Might as well just go with my own name. It makes sense. Makes sense. So, no, I appreciate you coming on the show today and, and explaining everything to us, what you do. Thank and you very obviously, much for having me. obviously, if people want to hook up and get your your book, um, they can get it on Amazon. Yep. So my book is available on Amazon. Uh, it's in paperback as well as um, the digital format. Um, uh, yeah. So you can can order it on there and it has been a bestseller on there more than once (laughs) just because there's not very many books in the genre so you just search service advisor yeah we'll put it uh, i'll put it in the comments for anybody who's interested great thank you appreciate you coming on thank you Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Experience podcast. Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Ben, check out Benjamin Del Grosso on LinkedIn at SafeDriveSolutions on Instagram or www.safedrivesolutions.ca online. We'll see you next time.